Hello. Hi, Tess. Hey, Coco. Good morning. Welcome, everybody, to Quarantine Time with Tess and Coco. Happy Easter Sunday. Um, Coco, will you start us with a little poem? Yeah, I will. I was, um, I'm going to be doing a class with David White, who I'm, like, poetically in love with. I don't know if that's a phrase. And um, Tess hasn't been introduced to him, so we'll introduce Tess and the rest of you to David White with his poem, The House of Belonging. I awake this morning in the gold light, turning this way and that, thinking for a moment it was one day like any other. But the veil had gone from my darkened heart, and I thought it must have been the quiet candlelight that filled my room. It must have been the first easy rhythm with which I breathed myself to sleep. It must have been the prayer I said speaking to the otherness of the night. And I thought, this is the good day. You could meet your love. This is the black day someone close to you could die. This is the day you realize how easily the thread is broken between this world and the next. And I found myself sitting up in the quiet pathway of light. The tawny, close-grained cedar burning round me like fire. And all the angels of this housely heaven ascending through the first roof of light the sun has made. This is the bright home in which I live. This is where I ask my friends to come. This is where I want to love all the things it has taken me so long to learn to love. This is the temple of my adult aloneness, and I belong to that aloneness as I belong to my life. There is no house like the house of belonging. Wow. David White, 1996. Thank you. Yeah. Isn't that a good one? Poems are, as my mom, my mom was an English teacher, and um, I mean, she's still alive. She's just retired. But uh, she always said you have to read poems three times. And I'm wondering, in honor of time, if we want to read it one more time and then jump on in, because it, it relates entirely to what we're talking about today. Yeah, absolutely. Let's do it. The House of Belonging. I awake this morning in the gold light, turning this way and that, thinking for a moment. It was just, it, whoops, thinking for... What? <laughs> <laughs> Hold on, let me try it one more time, since I messed up at the beginning. Okay. The house of belonging. I awake this morning in the gold light, turning this way and that, thinking for a moment it was one day like any other. But the veil had gone from my darkened heart, and I thought it must have been the quiet candlelight that filled my room. 
it must have been the first easy, easy rhythm <laughs> which I, with which I breathed myself to sleep. It must have been the prayer I said, speaking to the otherness of the night. And I thought, this is the good day you could meet your love. This is the black day someone close to you could die. This is the day you realize how easily the thread is broken between this world and the next. And I found myself sitting up in the quiet pathway of light, the tawny close-grained cedar burning around me like fire and all the angels of this housely heaven ascending through the first roof of light the sun has made. This is the bright home in which I live. This is where I ask my friends to come. This is where I want to love all the things it has taken me so long to learn to love. This is the temple of my adult aloneness, and I belong to that aloneness as I belong to my life. There is no house like the house of belonging. Mm. And it's exactly what we're talking about today. <sighs> it's magnificent. Uh-huh. He's a genius. <clears throat> so what what are we talking about today, Cox? Um, we're talking about the importance of enacting love. I like get kind of teared up when I talk about it. Enacting love, what does that mean? Well, in this time where everything is so uncertain, the, our mortality is up close and personal, and, and the mortality of what we, we of normalcy is up close and personal. And I'm interested in nourishing life and death, but in nourishing life, the cycle of life and death, in nourishing, I have this new little kitten, in nourishing him to have, to do my part in um, helping all life thrive to my the best of my ability and i find that enacting so enacting love um it's how how can i choose to focus on what i love and nurture it as as a um, as a core fundamental practice daily, and this said, I've been in quarantine until I got the kitty, and been single for a while now. You know, of course, I have lots of dear ones, and um, you know, 
friends, lovers, family. And um, technology allows us to be close and whatnot. But in this time of quarantine, the amount of love that I'm giving myself and giving those around me or remotely is um, almost feeding life. It's, it's, I'm curious about exploring how my love, my self-love and my love to, for you and the world can feed life and feed the cycle of life and death. So that's what I was, I was hoping to talk about. Can you talk a little bit about self-love? Because there's sort of a, a whole like self-love um, culture kind of going on right now. And, um, but I think your lens is a little bit different in regards to self-love and I just kind of want the listener to hear how you, what, what your relationship is to that concept and how you see that. Mm -hmm. I'm really interested in unconditional love. And that's not something that I feel like is innate or was innate in me. I definitely love, like for instance, um, as my body ages, I love it's it's harder to just have unconditional love for my physical form and you know this has always been the case with um for whatever reason our eye is trained to see the faults and um that's see the faults in ourselves and in others in the world at large which it's fabulous to have a discerning eye but when it comes to where I want to reside as my default, I want to live in a place where I am seeing and celebrating the beauty that I am, the beauty that you are, even if it's not what I perceive. But it's, it's if I exist, if I have, if I gain weight on my belly, it's up to my eye to change, to see and love the beauty of it, yeah. to love, to truly love what is as a practice. And so this, for me, I've been um, practicing this diligently and teaching it diligently for what feels like forever, but we'll say for the last 10 years solid. And what I notice is that when I when I either look in the mirror and find something I love, I, I teach this at when I was when I owned the yoga studio. I'd have I'd have a mirror. This was a Bikram studio, and it'd be a mirror and say, "If find some part of you that you love. If you're not liking your thighs, then why don't you just look at look at like your right shoulder? Find something you love because." as what we're, what, we're, what we're enacting, we are perpetuating. And so I want to perpetuate an environment of 
love, tenderness, adoration, holding space for life to thrive within me. It's, if we think of it as simple as if I was with this kitten, if I was just like not adoring him, he would end up a very different being than this constant quarantined touch love and me just dotting after it on him is that the right praise um mm -hmm. and so essentially enacting love so i'll do this physically but also for years i've been writing love letters to me and to those i love um and i'll write love letters especially when i've been single because I'm, I'm very obviously love-based and so I've done well with partners, but if I'm single, I won't receive that love from other. So I, I give it to myself through like the cheesiest love letters. Dear sweetheart to me, <laughs> you know how precious you are. Do you know how much I love your heart? Granted, I love your ass too, or whatever, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, <laughs> like super superficial. But it's it's like I'll I'll highlight the parts that are the most tender and express that to myself. And I make it with something I when I had employees, I train people to find one thing they loved about each person that walked through the door and name it to create an environment where more of us, meaning more of me and more of you, the most vulnerable and exquisite parts are um, free to show up because they're safe and loved. Mm. I like what you said about residing in the love because I think it is not even the goal to, you know, sort of extricate the the discerning eye altogether, but recognizing that that oftentimes that that discernment is sort of the default. And um how can we utilize that as a tool but not rest into that as our as our you know default state of of perceiving others and ourselves mm -hmm. it reminds me of sandwiching like if i'm trying to give feedback to somebody um i'll sandwich the kind of hard to receive feedback with two uh, on both sides with two like super authentic compliments and it's it's this, it's, it's that the discernment, of course, discernment and is critical. And unfortunately, I think we are a bit obsessed in our, with our discernment of what's wrong rather than what's right. Mm -hmm. And what I'm focusing on, I'm magnifying. So course i want to be doing self-work and and in with in relationship of course like 
I need to modify my behavior in order to meet the needs of those that I love. And that actually, I love to do. And this, I'm just imagining this, like in everybody's quarantine right now, if the base is, wow, honey, I adore this, this, and this about you. And let's revel in that. Let's, let's revel in the magnificence of your smile and how kind you are. And then, hey, your um, my uh, level of cleanliness and yours is different. Is there any way we can meet in the middle? And so the house is cleaner for my taste, but you still feel comfy and able to move, you know, or whatever it is. Or, hey, it really hurt my feelings when this happened. Or, you know, whatever the hard stuff is, that it needs to be brought up. But if there's not a, an, under, an, an embodied understanding of how adored we are and how precious and how perfect we are as is, then there's a lot less likelihood of receptivity to feedback of, to change both. So for my, myself with self-love and self-change and in relationship. Mm. Yeah. I think that's so important, especially right now when we're quarant- during quarantine, you know, we're in these, we're in these close quarters and, you know, tensions can be high if there's not a way to communicate lovingly and um, and tenderly and adoringly. But that's not something I, I think that we're really taught in a lot of ways, um, depending on who your sort of model relationships were or the way that if you weren't taught that, it doesn't always come as naturally. No, and it feels cheesy. So it, it feels funny if it's not modeled. I, I lucked out because I was, uh, my grandma, my mom, my dad, it was just a core modeling always of, of love. Hmm. And and it's self-love is still really hard. <laughs> like I have to practice it every day. It's ridiculous to me how ingrained criticism is. Mm-hmm. And it reminds me though of, of another subject on this site, which is shadow. Because it's, it's very easy for me to project my ickiness, my wounds, my like, blech, onto others around me, especially if we're, the closer we are, the easier it is to project. Mm-hmm. So that's another, that's another topic. But I think it's important to bring up here because it's, it, it's like the love is the, is the foundation. It's, um, I was just making a meditation for a client to clear family patterns and that 
the uh, prayer that I've learned is the Hawaiian prayer. I forget the name of it. I was, um, but essentially the prayer is, I, please forgive me. I forgive you. I love you. And thank you. And if that's the base, this base of like, gosh, I'm sure that I've been doing things that have hurt your feelings and infuriated you and aren't things you'd like to see repeated. I'm sure, will you forgive me? And I'm, I'm, I'm sure, that, well, and you have also, you, you drive me crazy and I forgive you. <laughs> <laughs> and I love you and thank you. And that's the piece is what does I love you and thank you do to conflict? What does focusing on what we love do? And then say, and then the, the reflection is I'm triggered by you. Like meaning you're driving me nuts and it's in my opinion, it's your fault, but I don't want to hold that space. I want to hold the space of love and acceptance as the base to then discuss the hard things. Mm-hmm. You can almost apply that prayer to self-love as well, I think. Mm-hmm. I think it's cr- critical is because how much guilt or shame or you know, that we all are carrying a lot of regret, you know, like, and, and that, that part, even guilt around not loving ourselves enough. (laughs) (laughs) You can just do that prayer with that. Like, please forgive me self for not loving you as much as you deserve. That is so real though, because sometimes I don't know. I'll I'll get moments where I'm like almost weepy with how much destruction that we've caused to ourselves or harm that we've caused to ourselves without even without realizing it or being aware of it at the time. But um, just different different thought patterns and stuff that are are so wounding and and perpetually so every time they come back up and then you realize it later and you're like, oh my gosh. I can't believe I was so mean to you, you know, or your, yourself or other people, but, um, yes. yes. And then yes. it's a lack of trust almost of like, okay, well, what do I, how do I, how do I go about this when I've been going about it the wrong way for so long? You practice. That's it's why it's about enacting. It's the practice of enacting love. And it's a practice. We let ourselves be beginners. But really, it's like, if you just treat yourself how you treat a little kitten. And this cat in front of me, he's a tyrant. He's trying to, meaning like he's, right now he's trying, I have to reach over and grab him because he's really trying to ruin my great-great-grandpa's chair. (laughs) (laughs) The tyrant. (laughs) He just, I mean, he's like real cute. Um, and so I just grabbed him and then he stopped. He started purring and now he's wanting to attack my head. And the last thing I'm going to do is just like stay mad at him and be like, 
oh, you are such a bad kitty. You're such a bad kitty. <laughs> it's like a six-week-old kitten. Like, he pooped in the bed <laughs> yesterday. And I was mad. But I got, there are no grudges. And nowhere inside me am I like, bad cat, you pooped in the bed. What if I pooped in the bed? Can you imagine if, how long that'd take me to live down? <laughs> I don't know if I could show my face unless something was really wrong. You know, like unless I was having some really serious digestion, it would be, it would linger a lot longer. But you catch that. That's what I'm saying. Oh gosh, we just didn't plan on using that example. Forgiveness, forgiveness, forgiveness. That's the thing. Is it's it's accepting everything and apologizing. I love apologizing. I love forgiving because then what happens is it's like all of a sudden life is, and I become a life affirming being like the eye change my shoulders can rest easier my eyes get brighter and I perpetuate life and love but it takes it's like an ongoing practice and so that's that's essentially the message of today is this is let let ourselves be beginners it's something that for whatever reason we we've forgotten and that's just to let go and love what's in front of us ourselves being the first first thing that's then we're, we're within we are in the house we are belonging that's this i love that poem with david weiss that's uh, to me belonging happens with acceptance and embrace and love of what is and so to make that a fundamental priority allows for the embrace to grow mm. and all that enter my field to feel it and we're all connected so it's all of us so it's like it's like the uh, church song it's this little light of mine i'm gonna let it shine oh this little light of mine i'm gonna let it shine this little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. And as we let it shine, it's that's it's contagious. It invokes others to shine. Oh, that's beautiful. Hmm. Beautiful. I think we're up with time though. I think we are. I say shine on. <laughs> shine on. Shine on. And the, the moral of the story <laughs> is to practice. We need to practice this. These, are, these aren't, it's yes to the cognitive understanding in order to enact a practice, a life practice, and to do so with your, with your peeps, and to do so and say you're doing so and and name that you're a beginner and name that it's even scary if one, it is one thing i've learned 
from working with you is that you teach you teach the why and the how but um but it's up to the up, up to you to be the doer mm-hmm. me too <laughs> it's up for all of us every day to, to do it yeah you know like i also understand why and know how but i'll notice myself like i have to practice what i preach or else all goes to hell just kidding um or else i just feel worse <laughs> i have the giggles i think that's a sign that we're done <laughs> okay sounds good thank you Listeners. <laughs> thank you david white thank you david white thank you test special thank you mr leo azul the kitten thanks leo we love you love you tess love you too bye bye